we're back on the green front, and uh, this is uh, a nice uh, time to get together some of my greenest, most prolific friends uh, from the um, blogosphere and uh, talking about the deniosphere, and uh, in particular, the State of the Union Address as it relates to uh, some of the issues we are most concerned about, and of course, that is climate, energy, pollution, uh, toxic contamination, um, not only around the globe, but also in our bodies. Uh, but we're going to first talk politically about um, what Peter Sinclair thinks uh, was uh, positive, but perhaps also um, missing in action from the president's speech as it relates to climate change. Peter Sinclair, of course, is the uh, creator and founder of the fabulous blog, uh, Climate Crocs. And Peter, in particular, was at a conference last week where he interviewed um, Catherine Hayhoe. So yeah, as soon as I get to your comments, Peter, on the State of the Union address. We'll talk a little bit about that and the conference you attended. Thanks for joining me on the Green Front. Well, what a surprise. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought I told you I needed you today to talk about that conference and uh, your interview, but uh, if you didn't know, I apologize for that, but thanks for being available in a pinch. That's showbiz. That's newsbiz. I'd like to get the latest stories on, and you were on my mind because of that great interview you did with Catherine Hayhoe. But before we get to that, um, uh, what did you think of the President's talk last night? Well, uh, you know, I have to say I was a little disappointed. I would have liked him to come out swinging more on climate change. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm not uh, as kind of reflexively negative as, as a lot of people are. I, I think uh, I think there's a game going on at a certain level here, and. Uh, um, uh, I, th I think that the president is uh, aware of the climate issue. I think certainly his uh, energy secretary, uh, Dr. Chu, is very well aware of what is what the stakes are. Uh, I think we have a, a unique situation in the Congress where we have um, uh, a, a group of of people from the other party, the Republican Party, who who are, in effect, living in a different universe uh, because we've created this, um, this alternative Fox News uh, media universe over the last 10 or 15 years where uh, it's possible for people to believe a, a whole lot of things that are simply objectively, empirically not true. You just gave me a, a thought, uh, just not to, uh, to interrupt, even though I just did, and that is, you know, here the Republicans are so negative on everything Obama does, and all they're doing is complaining and saying what's wrong, and yet the one real true problem we all face, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and like, is, you know, this uh, huge beast in the room, climate change, and that's that's not an area where they think there's any problem. Right. Um, I'm not convinced that... Uh, all Republicans are on that same page. Uh, I, I agree, of course. I'm talking about those those uh, <laughs> uh, who are mostly on our television sets and on Fox News and uh, right. are trying to do everything they can to keep uh, scientific reality, you know, away from the American people. Right. Well, we have a, we have a peculiar situation in that during this primary season, the the dog is being wagged by a very very small and extreme tail. Uh, in each of these primary states, it's the the most uh, extreme wing of the Republican Party that is uh, most motivated to come out and vote, and and all of these presidential candidates are uh, working very hard to please that group. Now, that doesn't excuse anybody else, but uh, I do think that 
um, and, and having had some conversations with people who are, have have some fairly knowledgeable uh, points of view, uh, that there are people in, in the Republican Party who do get it that we have a problem here. And the question is, how the heck do they walk it back at this point? Because mm-hmm. these presidential candidates have gone so far out on a limb here. Uh, so the, the 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 issue has uh, for President Obama is how to move the ball forward in this uh, in this kind of environment. And Absolutely, and, and you know he did talk about opening up you know waters for drilling and fracking. So he really kind of put something in there for everybody because he also talked about solar and battery industry not going to China or Germany. Of course, that makes a lot of sense, and who could argue with that goal? Um, and also about you know powering three million homes through renewable energy on public lands uh, for solar, wind, and presumably green technologies. Uh, right. But it was a little disturbing for those of us who think the BP oil disaster should have been a warning sign about the dangers of drilling ever farther out into the ocean. Well, I think the president is well aware that uh, coastal activists and, and other folks will have a lot to say about that whole offshore drilling thing. I mean, he he's he's uh he's a very bright man. And so he's put himself on record saying, "Well, sure, let's let's drill some more offshore." He also, I'm sure, is aware that scientists like James Hansen, uh, uh who obviously NASA's chief atmospheric scientist, are telling us that it's from a climate perspective, it's the oil is not what's going to get us into trouble, and the gas is not what's going to get us into trouble. But burning uh, all the coal we have and using the non-traditional oil like the tar sands from Alberta, that's what will really get us in trouble. Which is what prompted Dr. Hansen to say if Keystone is you know, built, it will essentially be you know, game over for the climate. Uh, I think he might agree with the fact that if um, any of the Republicans get to the White House, since they don't quote, supposedly believe in climate change or wouldn't certainly lead on that issue on fighting climate change, that it could also be game over for the climate if we have four years of this kind of deniosphere to to face. Um, but speaking of atmospheric scientists, you were um, smart and lucky enough to sit down with the woman of the moment, at least those of us who are, you know, keeping abreast of what's happening with Newt Gingrich, uh, taking out a chapter of his book that Catherine Hayhoe diligently wrote for him. Uh, he decided that would not be politically expedient to actually remember that he believes in climate change and sat down on that bench for that ad with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, sure. Catherine Hayhoe saying, you know, uh, in the um, you know Twitter sphere that, uh, gee, those 100-plus hours she devoted without pay to that chapter could have been better spent playing with her baby. Uh, and she sat down with you, and she said she's going to be on the show next week. What was your impression of her? Well, Catherine Hayhoe is just as bright and lively and delightful as she appears in that interview, and, and, and a lot of people have, have commented on the, the interview. It's just uh, her I agree. Know. There's also a great, she, she's got a great YouTube um, clip up there. Uh, I'm not sure quite when she recorded it, but uh, she's, she's just beautiful. I mean, the physically, but also eloquently talking about, you know, as an evangelist and her husband is a pastor and a scientist, you know, why she feels compelled to speak up and in a way that nobody could say is incendiary in any way. Right. And, uh, in fact, she just uh, dropped me an email because she had been uh, reading some of the comments on the video. And <laughs> always, always a bad, a bad idea. 
<laughs> oh yeah, you mean the hate crowd, the the you well, know, wish you would um, kill yourself, and and yeah, I'm surprised you thing. haven't yet. Well, yeah, uh, I I I put in kind of a heads up early on in this comment thread, and I just said, look, uh, you uh, people say all they want about me, but if anybody disrespects Dr. Hale, they're going to be banned and blocked, and that'll be it. Absolutely. And so, so far, it's been pretty civil. Uh, most of the most of the uh, back and forth seems to be about evangelists versus atheists and blah blah blah. But I don't really have a you know dog in that fight, so I don't care. But um, uh, she is a great representative to a certain segment of the public that I believe has been uh, vulnerable and has been targeted by the climate denial industry. And uh, she also was at that conference you attended, I believe it was uh, Chicago, was it? Uh, the ERB conference. What did that stand for? Yeah, it was for? in uh, Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. Ann Arbor, okay. Yes, tell us about uh, what happened there. I was starting to watch some of the speeches, um, and including there was one from, uh, is it Bob? Bob Inglis. Yeah. Yes, that was very interesting, and that's as far as I got into it. But um, what did you learn there, Peter? Well, uh, that was a really interesting gathering uh, put on by the uh, Herb School of Sustainability, at uh, the uni- which is part of the business school at the University of Michigan. What does Herb and stand for, ERB? It's a, it's a, it's a, I believe it's a donor's name. Ah, okay. <laughs> I don't think it's an acronym for anything. Okay. But uh, they brought together a pretty interesting cross-section of people uh, – Scientists, uh, activist types, congressional staffers, a lot of sociologists and psychologists and uh, uh, polling type people to try to understand how, how do you discuss the science in a way that people can can absorb and to what is the what is the disconnect and and to a certain degree i think uh i'm going to be posting a graph in, in the next day or two that well uh one of the uh, people showed us which was uh a number of the polls and what they've been doing over the last uh decade or so in terms of people's understanding of of climate change and my reading of it is that we've bottomed out we bottomed out sometime in the last year and a half, and uh, most of the polls look like those numbers are heading back up. And, and I think that uh, um, part of the reason is that Mother Nature is just continuing to show us just where the path leads that we're going, and uh, people are starting to pick up on that. And how long can you suppress scientific realities? It just cannot go on forever. And that's, I guess, what keeps those of us um, trying to raise awareness, you know, going in the good fight because uh, we know too much to not and also because it really is just a matter of time. But we're losing precious time. That's the problem. Yeah, it's it's just unbelievable and tragic because... Uh, I've been tracking climate change. I first kind of woke up to it in the early 1980s, and uh, when when Dr. Hansen gave his uh, presentation to Congress in 1988, I just thought, well, now, there you go. <laughs> now we'll come to our senses. <laughs> when Al Gore's movie came out, you would have thunk. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, uh, you know... So many people have given so little thought to it that uh, people will. A lot of people apparently still think that Al Gore 
invented this whole thing with that movie in 2000. Along, along with the Internet, right. And in, yeah. instead of awakening the slumber, slumbering masses, it just seems to have stirred up this hornet's nest of people like Mark Morano. Can we spend a few minutes <laughs> just talking about him? Um, you know, how does he get away with this? Moronic, I call him Mark Moronic. Yeah, uh, garbage um, that he spews. He's very, um, you know, he's former spokesman for Senator Inhofe. Very prolific, if if you can pardon the expression. Yeah, he's he's a thug. He's basically a thug. And and uh, and I think if people understand the way he works, he basically has a website that is. Uh, practically worthless in any informative sense, but what he does is he focuses on a particular target, like, for instance, Dr. Hayhall. He says some nasty things about them and then publishes their email contact uh, in the hopes, obviously, that uh, some of the unbalanced and deranged people that that, uh, visit his site will then shower threats and abuse and intimidation on these people, and that's exactly what happens. And, and when you think of someone as uh, as uh, uh, sweet and unpretentious as Dr. Hayhoe being subjected to these kinds of uh, this kind of abuse, it's just really uh, stomach churning. I'm a nice girl. I'm a nice girl too. And the six times I've been on Hannity's show on Fox News, I've gotten I've gotten death threats too, just for saying that a man is part of nature, that climate change is real. And sure. uh, I, I've been the, I've been the Target of it as well, and it's almost predictable. In fact, some of the quotes she gave from the mail she was getting, I think it's the same guy who just yeah. keeps, um, you know, threatening. Well, and that's important to remember, too, that there's actually uh, there's an apparatus out there of people, I, I suspect that uh, some of them work in the basements of some of these uh, so-called think tanks that just churn out uh, nasty emails and comments on blogs and and all manner of uh, sort of bogus uh, astroturf uh, stuff to make it look like there's a whole heck of a lot more going on in the climate denial down there in the uh, dungeon with the dragons and the snakes. It, 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 that's exactly. the picture I get because. You know, shame on them, really. You know, we talk about it with um, some calmness and and incredulity, but, you know, it's just gone on too long, hasn't it? Uh, About (laughs) 25 years too long, I think, yeah. But but this was, uh, you know, this all came out of uh, the realization by certain major conservative corporations and individuals that, that science was uncovering things that, were inconvenient uh, uh, for uh, business models that they had, and in particular the tobacco industry. And it's one of the great untold stories that I hope to be working on in some videos in the future, um, how this network of of, uh, individuals and think tanks, sometimes the very, very same people that we hear... uh, uh, throwing a whole lot of confusion into the, the climate change debate, uh, we're doing exactly the same thing in the tobacco wars back in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, and then they, they're using exactly the same tick techniques that were developed at that time. And, and uh, in fact, um, the whole uh, genesis of, of climate change becoming kind of an issue was really a sort of a, a kind of a, a sideshow to the main event, which was uh, the, the tobacco company's interest in 
in uh, destroying the credibility of any kind of science that they didn't like. Mm. And um, there's, uh, uh, I had a post on this uh, several weeks ago, and I'll be doing more in the future. But um, it's, um, it is a sordid and fascinating history. Mm. And uh, when, when more people understand it, there's, there's going to be, uh, I hope, an earthquake. Oh, there already are earthquakes from all that fracking, but we can just ignore that and contaminated <laughs> water wells. I mean, no problem. You know, uh, if we're that desperate for energy, you know, and, and we must be, you know, at peak oil or past, shouldn't we be, you know, having all hands on deck to deal with this, you know, energy emergency? Well, we are in an emergency. Uh, I guess the, the, the first thing you have to do in an emergency is take a breath and don't panic. And uh, uh, there's a lot of good news, too. Uh, wind energy is the number one source of new electrical capacity in the United States, or at least it's neck and neck with uh, gas turbines and has been for the last four years. And that's a good thing. And solar is just about to explode in the same way. Um, so we're now at a point where we have a de facto moratorium on new coal-fired power plants in the United States. Nobody's going to build one because the economics are just simply not there. Uh, that's not to say, uh, you know, people aren't going to be building them in China and India. So we have to work on that, too. But the United States contribution to uh, CO2 is kind of leveling off. Do you and think it's because it's, of the, the global recession? Well, uh, it's more than that, uh, because uh, it's been pointed out that uh, uh, people are, for instance, in terms of, of automobiles, uh, we've, we've reached a certain point where uh, not only is the price of, of gasoline reached kind of a critical level where it, it's really causing people to think, do I really have to drive this much? What are my alternatives? Should I really get that more efficient car? And that are acting on that. Mm-hmm. But also, and this is even more profound, the younger generation is not as enamored of the automobile as uh, previous generations have been. Uh, their social uh, structure does not revolve around the automobile. It revolves around social media. And so uh, the idea that, you know, you, you, you turn 16, you get a license, and you get a car, and that's the center of your life, uh, this, is, this, is no longer, this is no longer a concept. Uh, for a lot of younger people and, and uh, more and more of, of whom are in urban areas where they have access to mass transportation and other ways to get around. Uh, so we've seen, we've seen gasoline usage in the United States peak about four years ago, and uh, even Exxon is telling us that they expect global gasoline use to peak in about 2015 for a lot of the same reasons. So while we, we don't like... Uh, tar sands development and say the uh, the uh, shale development that's going up in, in North Dakota. The only reason that those things are even possible is because we're paying such high prices for gasoline that uh, we can afford to go all these exotic. The oil companies can afford all these exotic uh, ways to to squeeze oil, the last few drops of oil out of the planet. 
computer. But it, it is those high prices that are pushing us away from gasoline to a whole different modes of transportation, electric cars, mass transit, etc. I didn't want to cut you off, but we're just about out of time. I want to thank you, Peter. We met uh, in Nashville at one of Al Gore's climate training, and one of the things that gives me a little hope is that uh, his network, Current TV, is now going to progressive political talk shows, and uh, I've already put my um, hat in the ring or my mic in the ring and said, how about a green talk show focusing on climate, Al? <laughs> Here's there you go. To do something about it. And uh, if uh, that uh, what would seem to be a no-brainer uh, happens, I would love to have you as one of my and if they hire me to host it, have you as one of my private <laughs> contributors because, well, why not? You know, been covering the beat for 15 years and all these complaints about mainstream media is not covering it. Well, a few of us have been pretty uh, relentlessly and uh, yeah. we should be elevated to mainstream status. I, I used to be in mainstream media, but uh, somehow murder and mayhem and crime and corruption just didn't quite feel satisfying. But this work, of course, is uh, preoccupying. Um, you can get kind of obsessive about it, but all we need is an outlet to reach more Americans and we won't be so lonely. Right, Peter? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's going to happen. It's got to happen. Let's uh, end on that positive note. Peter Sinclair with Climate Crocs. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, have a great Green Week. Next uh, time, I hope to have Catherine Hayhoe herself on the Green Front. We just